Al-Bayan Radio presents the following program asking Allah that it serves as a benefit for all. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalatu wassalamu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Assalamu alaikum dear brothers and sisters and welcome to this very special edition of Al-Bayan Live. I am your host Abu Abdurrahman and today I'm very pleased to be joined by our dear guest, international guest from a few different places. Brother Jibreel Ar-Rumani. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalamu alaikum. It's excellent to have you with us here in the studio. Uh, how's your trip so far to Australia? You, you said to me before you got on here that it's your second trip to Australia. How's it been so far? Alhamdulillah. Salatu Rasulullah. Everything is amazing. Allah is the most kind. It's a great trip. So it's my second time. I, I love Australia. It's a beautiful place. Allah has blessed this, uh, the beauty of this land, subhanAllah. And the community is... Uh, uh, seems like a very uh, strong community in terms of presence um, with a lot of potential, mashallah, a lot of potential. So I've enjoyed my time seeing the different places, meeting different brothers, different organizations. Uh, alhamdulillah, it was great. Work, did some work with some youth and um, it's kind of what I do and I uh, was really pleased with the outcomes. Alhamdulillah, excellent. And that brings us to, to you know the first topic of discussion today, a bit about your background. You know, where you come, where you come from, where you're staying, you know, what mm-hmm. field you're working in today. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some of our viewers, maybe the first time they come across you. Sure. So I was born in Romania to a Christian family. And around the age of 13, I left Romania and moved to Canada, started high school there. And that was my first interaction, real interaction with Islam, meeting Muslims there in my high school from all over the world, Arabs, Africans, uh, subcontinent. And um, coming from a Christian background, we were yeah, culturally Christian, but specifically I was more practicing. There was just this, I don't know, internal desire to have some connection with the, the Creator, even as a child. That was something that uh, maybe was connected to my grandma as well because she used to take me to church a lot. But definitely, I wasn't your typical young boy growing up. There was something that I just always felt the need to to connect. So moving to Canada was my first exposure to Islam. Obviously, a lot of misconceptions about Islam. and um, But that's where I met Muslims and meeting them. Not just seeing them, but living with them, being with them, changed my whole perspective and made me question what I've learned about Islam, first and foremost, and Muslims. And that led to my, you know, conversion to Islam or reversion to Islam in my university years, first year university. I studied uh, biology and psychology and neuroscience and cognition. And then I went to education and I moved after that to uh, United Arab Emirates. I worked as an English teacher. Saw a lot of interesting things and wanted to do more and then just the classroom. So I moved into management, became a school principal, then moved a bit higher into um, consultancy and establishing schools. And alhamdulillah, by the blessing of Allah, I was able to accelerate fast in that and became an educational consultant. And then moved to Malaysia after about 10 years of living in the UAE. Moved to Malaysia for about three years where we established another school, an Islamic school. Then, um, I guess at one point I said, I'm just going to freelance, different things happen, and I became like a freelance educational consultant working on different educational programs when it comes to the Muslim Ummah, all over the world, alhamdulillah, I've traveled to more than 40 countries, 
And um, I've always been involved in counseling um, from the psychology background with an Islamic, obviously, a background. I um, felt that there's a need for counseling. And as the Prophet tells us, the so giving yes. that nasiha to the shabab, to the young man, especially young man. So I really started focusing towards that a lot more recently in the last five years, let's say, with some, alhamdulillah, by the, before the last panel, with some great results. So that's kind of what I do right now, educational consultancy and counseling. You mentioned the Canada, Malaysia, UAE, and the youth. Did you find much difference with the youth in those countries or maybe because you know the Western culture has spread far and wide, they're pretty much the same? How did you find different types of youth in those countries? Yeah, when I was teaching in the United Arab Emirates in an area called Arahba, it's like the Bedu, basically. And I was shocked to see the westernization of these young men. They still had certain elements of their culture, which has it was really interesting, appealing, very fascinating. But you could tell the fast changes that were taking place. So within the few years that I was teaching there, I could notice a great change. So I would say at the moment we're in a global village, where the issues that we're dealing with in the West have trickled into uh, these countries um, at a f- much faster pace. Uh, it's it's really accelerated uh, corruption, let's say. Yeah, mm. it's really sad of the ethics, the morality. Social media is infiltrated everywhere. Everyone's on the phone. Everyone's on TikTok, on Instagram, and it's really, really changing the uh, the minds of of young men and women. Now, um, since you know you're in education or you've been in education, we always have the the debate, you know, locally, and I think globally as well, mm. in regards to uh, private schools or Islamic schools, public schools, right. or even and a third option now is homeschooling, mm. especially since COVID, you know, made that happen for many people who would never ever have thought of it. What's your advice for Muslims living in the West regarding this? Right. So I've tried everything. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. <laughs> So if you can, if it's possible and you have a community that supports you, families who can share the burden and the load, I think homeschooling would be the best. Um, it, it takes a lot of work and you have to have that social component for the students. So that there is some guided exposure as to what they're going to be dealing with. If you just shelter them and then at some point just release them into the world, it will be a very, very big shock. So there has to be certain guided exposure. Like, I mean, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us it's haram, and then he gives us the the hal, you know, the, mm-hmm. the solution. So you expose this, you'll tell us this one, two, three, but you do one, two, three. So there has to be some form of exposure, some social component. It's a lot of work, and a lot of people embark on homeschooling. It's an individual or family-based approach. They get overburdened. They kind of stop. If you can do it, personally, I believe that homeschooling is is probably the best way to go. Yeah, and homeschooling here doesn't mean on the computer, online education. It's it's a lot more than that. So a lot of people mistake that they think, okay, put him in front of a computer, give him some kind of a online program, and and let let him go for eight hours a day in front of the screen. And some major disasters that happen there. Subhanallah. Yeah. So it, it requires a lot of um, a lot of effort. Public schools, I mean, we know um, the way that they're, which way they're heading. 
And that's the issue with a lot of these movements out there that they've infiltrated in the at the legislative uh, level where curriculum is changed and pushed upon, right? Like, which is very contradictory because you're supposed to have this freedom of choice, supposedly, where you can choose what you want to learn. Everyone's going to respect the rules and the laws and this and that, but you're supposed to choose what you want, like your ethics and your morality. And that's your right, supposedly. But no, it's being pushed down the throat of people. So I would say that public schools can pose uh, a deep threat, again, if families are not actively monitoring and making sure everything's good. Some schools are different. There's some private schools. There's some public schools. Some public schools are better than others, depending on which community you're in and so on and so forth. And then you have Islamic schools as well, which what I've seen around the world, they definitely have a, a good offer. I mean, there's Islam. However, there will be lesser quality when it comes to academics, education, and so on. Like, alhamdulillah, you memorize Quran and you're learning different Islamic sciences. But usually, in general, because it's a profit-driven business or market, the first cuts will be done usually from teacher salaries, which means lesser quality teachers, and therefore your children are going to suffer when it comes to education. Plus, a lot of politics usually within the Muslim schools. I mean, I've kind of redrew myself. First, I thought, okay, let me be a teacher. And I've done a public and uh, private. And then I said, okay, maybe as a as a principal, I might change stuff, right? But it was it's just really, really difficult to deal with the, a lot of the politics. I don't think personally that the, and I, I might be, I'm not saying everyone, there's definitely some exceptions, that sometimes we put the well-being of our children at the forefront. There's a lot of profit-driven, um, and it's hard because it's a private endeavor. It's not sponsored by a body or... Yes. So you always have to make sure that you're sustainable and moving forward. Therefore, intake, money, uh, fees, all this matters a lot. So it's it's difficult. Like I also understand that it's it's quite a difficult, uh, you know, system to deal with. So I think families have to just be very vigilant about their kids. Everyone has to be involved at some level. Like Islamic schools, biggest mistake that parents do is like. We left him to Islamic school, hands off, you know. The Sheikh will take care of them, alhamdulillah, mashallah, they're safe, you know. Uh, no, there's a lot of issues in Islamic schools as well. You're talking about, you're living in a place where, okay, you're in Islamic school for seven, eight hours, but then you're going out and you're interacting with the environment, and then you bring it to the Islamic school, and there's always going to be some issues, 100%. right? It's not, uh, that's just the way it is. We have to be very realistic. Yeah. Now, um, you know, with your work with the youth, where do you see the main problems for the youth today, you know, especially teenagers, which you know we were speaking how you have some work with, in, with that uh, age group, the problems they have and, and potential solutions, especially with the social media world, especially mm. with them being, how can we say, exposed to things before or where, where in which before they would never be exposed to? Right. So definitely there's an identity crisis, right? You have... Like before, you would have the identity crisis of, for example, you're coming from Lebanon or something, right? Your parents have come from Lebanon. You're born in the West. There's a bit of a disconnect there because we are influenced by our environment no matter what. This is something that people need to understand. Um, this is something very, very clear, right? And that's where you have to be careful of what your environment is. Environment can mean 
your the culture environment can be the friends and your peers right uh, as the prophet sallallahu uh, told us and warned us that al-marwa ladini khalili that a man is on the deen or the way of those around him or those who are close to them right so let every one of you be careful who he takes as a close companion this is clearly we get influenced very very easily by the surroundings so there was that disconnect but now there's an extra layer which is within this new culture okay background is Lebanese or Iraqi or Pakistani yet you are western born but now there's this other layer of this new trend uh, of, of social media culture with so many different uh, ideas, philosophies being pushed in. So people are definitely, definitely suffering from a huge identity crisis. Like, who am I? To the point that it goes <laughs> at the basic level where someone says, am I a woman? Am I a man? Am I neither? Things that are very apparent are questioned now. Like, to that level, I would say, number one is that identity crisis. And Muslims are definitely touched by it. So that's probably one of the biggest ones. And under that big umbrella, there'll be so many different issues of sexuality, of faith even. People are questioning whether, well, why am I a Muslim? Am I really a Muslim? Do I really believe in, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or is it just the religion of my father and grandfather? Um, so that's, that's a huge problem. Um, a lot of issues of, of competing ideologies and philosophies of life there's confusion there's a lot of confusion and such a heterogeneous culture with so many different philosophies so people are like well which one's this well look at this video oh look at what this guy's saying influencers right and now no one's got a backbone enough to say no this is my way I stick to this watch a video today oh I really like this wow okay I'm gonna try that Two days later, there's something else that's appearing. Oh, okay, I'm going to go to this one. Five days later, another thing. It's just shifting back and forth, left and right. No consistency, no istiqama, nothing like that. And we know as Muslims, like istiqama is really, really important. It's a sign of a, of a real man. It's a sign of a developed mind, of understanding, of protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yet we look around and people are just wavering left and right. Just wherever, whichever way the wind kind of blows, it seems that people are just moving that way. It's now, a big musibah. Now you mentioned the real man, masculinity, uh, the uh, the influence of influences like uh, our brother Andrew Tate. You know, this topic of masculinity and manhood and who is a real man. How would we address it today with this new generation of youth, especially the teenagers? Right. So. SubhanAllah, because we are insan, we're created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah has put a, 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 there's a fitra. A fitra is a natural disposition that Allah has created in us. For example, everyone has it built in them. They feel, they know, whether they accept it or not, or acknowledge it or not, they know that, that a creator exists. It's part of the fitra. Part of the fitra is, is the way Allah has created us, our biological disposition, our needs, our uh, desires and so on and so forth, right? So with all these confusions that work on our mindset and mind, ideology, in the end our DNA is going to react when, you know, something is, is there. So 
there was this vacuum for a long time due to a this one of these ideologies like feminism that's been going and pushing for a long time and the world was kind of being directed by this main ideology and this vacuum was left now men were now encouraged to be more uh, soft more in touch with their feminine nature more tolerant more inclusive a lot of these very nice and fancy words but when you look at what does it mean you find that it's not so simple it's not so black and white and this huge vacuum was left where a lot of men were growing up the, their fathers were kind of like well what I do you know I'm, I'm coming from back home Things we do things differently there I gotta be careful here so kind of like hands off right I'm not gonna teach my son what my father taught me those things that you know, your father would take you and be like, okay, you got to be a man now. And you have to do one, two, three, four. And when we come back home, that's it. We're going to treat you differently, right? There's some form of initiation. There's some form of terbiyah. What was regarded just to, to the concept of you being a man, right? It was just part of that. Like you are now being, and you're going to be proud of that. And there's responsibility and there's accountability and so on and so forth. So that didn't happen anymore because of fear and oh my god what are women going to say and we're oppressive and no doubt there's been a lot of evil that was done against women in the world but that's not because men were men it's because men were bad men because men were away from what it means to be a man based on the definition and the sifat or the attributes that the creator has given us Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala based on the sifat or attributes that the MBI or the prophets came and brought right? we didn't have that curriculum people were just so, so yes, there's been a lot of evil that's been done to women. But you don't fix a problem with creating another problem. And I think that's what the world did. They said, okay, all these men, they created wars and World War One and World War Two, and Let's just put women now in, you know. But you create a, a big problem where now men were pulled out almost. Women were pushed in in something that they're not really qualified or created to do. Really, I mean, everyone can just look at it and they'll see like, come on. Um, and the clearest issue is this issue of what we're dealing with today with men crossing over and competing in female sports, right? It's just very clear, right? Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> so because that vacuum was there, I think people, their inner fitra was just kind of like missing something. And as soon as someone came in and this talk started which was recent actually this whole masculinity thing with Andrew Tate Jordan Peterson and so on um, I've been talking about this way before but I'm just not popular right so but I've been dealing with this tarbiyah on these boys for a long time what does it mean like literally speaking about rujula and we came up with the term of Muslim alpha man and this and that uh, and you know but obviously during around the COVID time with the popularity of Andrew Tate Jordan Peterson and some other people now this term came again masculinity the movement of, of red pill in the west uh, a lot of people talking about this was to fill that vacuum that void and as soon as these people with all due respect unqualified right i mean they speak they assess the problem maybe pretty okay like okay this is the problem women are doing this the world is doing that but when it comes to the solutions they're just way off, especially for us as Muslims. 100%. Yes. Right? There's no way you can find a solution in what they're telling you. Okay, work out, work on yourself, personal development in general. Yeah, but when you get to the details, how and this and that, the treatment of women, the disrespect, so on, it's just something that we cannot as Muslims accept. So 
But the Muslims who were screaming for something like this, now they say, oh, he's representing. Yeah, I agree with this, right? So now all of a sudden there's this revival of masculinity with certain concepts that are correct in terms of aligning with fitra, but the details are not fine-tuned by sharia. So now you have another problem. And that causes the other side to react as well. So now, boom, we're each other, back and forth, feminist, red pill, feminist, red pill, feminist, red pill. And it's it's caused a lot of Muslims to be confused. Now, with Andrew Tate specifically, when he came on board, he became Muslim now, alhamdulillah. We wait and expect for him, inshallah, hopefully, to to change. Um, there's some effort towards reaching out to him and doing some Dawson brothers have succeeded. Hopefully, inshallah, that he um, that he will change because he can bring uh, some good change, inshallah. inshallah. A lot of people are already interested in Islam and have converted to Islam just for him taking the shahada and started to speak about Islam. But let's be honest. I mean, he doesn't represent Islam. And there's a danger there because he is there on social media. Now he is a Muslim and a lot of Muslim youth are looking up to him and he's still not posing a good role model, right? Of course, we don't expect him to change overnight. You know, some Sahaba took them, radiallahu anhu, took them time to change. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells "Udkhulu fi silmi kafa. Like you have to enter in Islam fully. It does take time, but because of social media and the movie, the videos being released, a lot of young men are looking for solutions to deal with their problem with depression, lack of identity, lack of strength, a very weak curriculum that tells them just sit down, shut up, be complacent, just, you know, uh, be mediocre. So now the fitra is screaming, no, but this guy, oh, this guy is, oh, Jordan Pierce, wow, everyone was Jordan Pierce, Jordan Pierce, Jordan Pierce, right? And then he flopped, right? And then most of us are confused, oh my God, what do we do now? But yeah, but he's still here and, and this and that. Come on, like you have to be smart, yeah? And Andrew Tate, Andrew Tate, and if he flops, then what do we, you know, we just get a, attached to different personalities to solve a problem that's not a current problem, right? The concept of rujula and manhood this is something as old as the creation of Adam, right? He was created as the first. He was the representative of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Eve was, supported to, uh, was created to support him. And then we see that that great line of prophets that came with the same message, always a consistent message and a consistent sifat with differences based on the time and what they were dealing with, you know. But... It was built on the back of men. Right? Real men. I mean, women can say, some ulama have said that maybe Maryam alayhi salam was, you know, and maybe she was, but this opinion has been refuted, right? It was always men. Now women are like, oh, this is not fair. It's not about that. It's about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator, has given men and it's not about just benefits, it's about responsibility and accountability. <laughs> Authority comes with responsibility and accountability. Right? And Allah says, don't look at what don't look at what Allah has given to some over like just to you is this and to you is this. Allah created you know, man is this, woman is that. And they work together and they form a family. That's the building block of the Ummah. Right? So manhood and rujul has been there. You know, for a long time. But then we started ignoring it. We didn't focus on it anymore. Uh, we didn't focus on building good men, real men. Because we didn't look at the correct template. 
And the correct template is without a doubt the Prophet. If anyone asks you, what does it mean to be a man? Study Sirah. If anyone asks you, what does it mean to be a man? Study Sirah. If anyone asks, okay, what else? Study Hayat uh, al-Sahaba, radiallahu anhu. Study the, the life of the, the, the Sahaba. Then you know real men. These are the ones that Allah says in Surah Anur, Rijalun. The men, the real men. These are the men that we should look up to. Yeah, you know Ronaldo. Yeah, you know, I don't know what and what. But do you know the real man of this ummah? That this deen was brought to you and me based on their back and their sacrifices. People really believed in what the Prophet came with and sacrificed their lives, right, for that. Because sacrifice is what it means, right, to be a real man. We don't. We don't focus. We'll learn here and there, wow, this and that. But connecting it to real life and to today's issues, I just feel like we're not doing. I don't know if we're shy. Are we ashamed? Are we, what is it that, you know, are we not proud of our deen or of our Prophet, of the Sahaba? Why? Right? This is the, the manual. You want to learn manhood, you look at the Quran. And you look at the Sunnah of the Prophet. These are this is what we need to teach. This is what we need to dig in. Islam is just not okay. I will okay study, pray, uh, sadaqah, zakah, siyam. No, let's look at the whole corpus of the seerah of the Prophet. And there's just so much there, and I think it would solve the problems that the world has. You name any problem that we have, Islam has a solution for it. 100%, 100%. So I think we need to incline people towards we're all suffering from it, some more than others. We're all away from the sunnah. We have to at least acknowledge it, that we've all been influenced by other ideologies. It's just, we have to acknowledge it. You can't fix a problem unless you acknowledge it. And then let's work on it. So schools should have a heavier curriculum when it comes to sirah, when it comes to extracting the sifat of what is a man, of rujula, of the stories. And it was Spider-Man, Batman, Superman. Everyone knows. Everyone watch. Imagine, what about Khal bin Walid, Omar Khattab, Hamza ibn Abi Talib, the real man, Ali ibn Abi Talib, real man, the stories. That, you know, and these men existed. As these characters are just man-made, fictional. Big difference. Connecting our children, naming our children after them so they can revive those legacies. Why not? We're scared. No, what if the people are going to think this and that? let them think. So what? They're not, the French are not ashamed of Napoleon. They're just not. The, Rome, the, the Italians, and the, they're not ashamed of Caesar or of their Caesars. They're just not. Mark Aurelius, he's quoted everywhere, right? They're just very proud. Why are the Muslims ashamed? Or, oh, oh I don't want to upset anyone. Upset what? We're not going punching people on the street. We're not going breaking cars. And we're just saying, let's look at our champions to solve this problem. Now, now, um, in regards to the sisters and the women of our ummah, may Allah bless them. What's the main advice you would give them, especially once again the teenagers growing up in this difficult climate that you mentioned? With our dear sister, may Allah bless them. Allah has. Give them, given them value from their birth. You know, you have to understand, sister, you're born with value. Allah has given you this honor. Why are you running away from this honor? Where are you going? Where are you running? 
think about it. Take a step back. And don't listen to this one or that one. Look for the purpose that you've been created for. It's the best purpose for you. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created you to nurture human souls. The greatest scholars, the greatest leaders of this ummah have come from a woman, from a mother. It's just the way it is. These women, like we were talking the other day about the mother of Imam Bukhari or the mother Imam Ahmed, the sacrifices, how they pushed them. She didn't say, no, you know, I'm going to go and be the there, you know, I'll do a, no, you go, do this, do that. Pushing them to be real men. SubhanAllah. Look at the tarbiyah. If a woman embraces that fitrah that Allah has created, that value, and protects that value, inshallah, she will be great in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because they, every prophet, except for Isa alayhi salam and Adam alayhi salam, came from a woman. You know, imagine that. They gave birth to these prophets, including the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. What a great honor. The world has fooled you, my sister, and convinced you that this is, you're missing out. That somehow this is demeaning, being a housewife, a mother, oh my God, you know. No. And they convinced you that you should be a man. Look at all this talk, like women, women, women. But actually, when you look at what they want you to do, they want you to become a man. They want you to give up your instincts, your fitra. And be a man. Compete in man sports. The guys are doing fighting, you do fighting. The guys are doing boxing, you do boxing. The guys are doing, women can do that as well. Everything that we do now, you have to do it or better. SubhanAllah. Except for what you were created for. You're born with value. Stick to it. The haya of a woman is being lost. You're losing value. Men are not interested if you don't have haya. That's why a lot of women are not getting married now. Brothers were complaining, telling me, brother, I have three daughters. They, they can't, like, it seems like men are not interested in them. Why? Well, they have this and that and uh, this degree and this degree. And this. I'm not against females being educated. I'm really kind of against females being schooled and chasing these papers. And all they're going to say, oh, you're against education. I didn't say that. Females have to have knowledge, knowledge of Islam, knowledge of life, because they're going to be teaching the children. Think about it. In, you know, But, where you send them and what you give them, that's a different story, my brother. Right? And my sister. So the brothers are complaining, Yeah, you know, I want to marry my daughters. Why? Well, if you look and start going to the details, you find out why. Because they're slowly moving away from their haya. They're losing their haya. They're doing certain things that are so unfeminine that men are not attracted to that anymore. Stick to your haya, stick to your this value, your chastity. They're losing their chastity, uh, Sheikh. They're really, it's so sad. SubhanAllah, some of the cases that I deal with are just ludicrous. So you have value. Your job is to try your best to protect your value. You're looking for this one as a role model and that one as a role model. You know, and that's the funny thing that we always try to justify our position somehow. It's something that shaitan has tricked us with, right? But look at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran. Which women does he mention? Which women does he ever mention? He mentions Maryam, alayhi salam, 
and tell, look at who was Maryam? Was she some CEO or some? She was guarding her chastity. That's how Allah describes her. Ahsanat Farja. She really did the best in guarding her chastity. This is value, right? For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned Imra'at uh, Fir'aun. Zakallah khair. The uh, coffee came, yeah? <laughs> That's it, yeah, the coffee. Long black, is it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> so Allah is mentioning uh, the, the, the wife of uh, Fir'aun. Right? These are the two women that Allah is mentioning for the believers. And we're looking somewhere else. You have sisters. Oh, but Khadija radiallahu anha was a businesswoman. Yeah, I challenge you, Akhti. Look into the life of Khadija. If you can actually excuse yourself to the path that you're taking and say that it's because Khadija's motivated you. Because she was a businesswoman. She didn't mix with men. She hired men to do the work. She had some money from uh, inheritance and from her family. But she did not do what you're trying to do, what the world is pushing you to justify. It's really, really sad. Women have value. We men have to work for our value so hard. Of course, everyone has karam. Allah has given us this. But men have to work hard to build it. All you have to do is maintain yourself. You're taken. Your father takes care of you, inshallah. And then he, you're, you're being moved on to the, a man who takes you and take, you know, takes care of you. You're like a flower. You're a pearl, right? Remain pure and innocent like that. That's what you need to do. Don't be distracted by all the glamour. And one of the scholars said that the women are like, and I love this, uh, this example, the, the situation of our women today, the Muslim women, they're like the archers on the day of the Battle of Uhud. Yes. They saw the glamour, and they disobeyed the Prophet ﷺ and left their position and left the back uncovered. Beautiful and we example. got smashed. Literally, when you look at it, because, oh, wait, they're getting the, wow, no, but we should also, how come they're getting everything, right? So now, that's what women do. But why, how come men have to get everything? We're a team. We are a team. We are a team. We'll take care of you. But when we have to fight this one and this one and this one and then we go back home, we have to fight you as well. Man, it's difficult. It's very difficult. Don't leave your position. The Prophet ﷺ told women what their position is. From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Gender roles in Islam are clear. Alhamdulillah. Very clear. Alhamdulillah. Everything is clear in Islam. Yani Allah, how come? Allah has made everything bayin, clear. So don't listen to other things. Just stick to what you have. This dunya is very short. Don't worry. The glamour will come, inshallah. You get whatever you want. Beautiful advice. Now, um, in regards to parents, you know, we've spoken a bit about brothers and sisters um, and advice for them. What would you advise parents from your experience facing all the challenges that they face today? Parents, they have to be very careful to obviously follow the deen as much as they can, first and foremost. It's hard. No one can be the perfect example, but you have to be an example for your children. You cannot. It's impossible for you to not try your best. Be careful what you do. Keep in mind that they're watching you. 
have a mission. Don't just be here in the wind. Like fathers, for example, make sure you have a mission. Do something. Be involved in the da'wah. Right? Follow the example of the Prophet Because that's the most relevant example, living example that a child can have. You tell them about the Prophet but it's very like, okay, it's a story for them. But when you are trying to follow that example, now you can see something tangible. So fathers have a huge responsibility to work for the deen, to be involved in da'wah, to be man of mission, to be strong men, so that the children, both girls and boys, look up to them, see them as someone who is doing work. The, the son, right? He looks at the father and like, wow, man, this is a real man, as opposed to looking at Ronaldo or Messi or something like that. Because human beings have this, this is our psychology. We're always looking for templates to build upon. Oh. Always. And that's why the sunnah is so important. It's the template for life, right? So if not, we're going to find something to build upon. Look, or Just look around the culture. There's, oh, you go to a mall or somewhere, a shopping center, you find five people looking like this, ten people looking like that, two looking like that. And you can say, oh, these are like this, like this. So, so clear in our fashion. Every, every, we're all like that. Okay? All of us are influenced. So fathers have to do that for boys. For girls, it's the first experience that a girl is going to have with a man in terms of knowing how to deal with one, right? It's so important for a, a father to connect to his girls if Allah blesses him with girls so that they don't fear or hate men or, you know, that they feel that, that connection, that protection of a father, right? And it's different the way you deal with the girls and the way you deal with the boys. 100%. Very, so don't, don't deal with them the same. I, I see fathers who treat their girls like they treat their boys. Or vice versa, sadly. And if you don't have boys and you only have girls, don't treat them like boys just because you don't have boys and you wish you would have had boys. Alhamdulillah has blessed you. As the Prophet told us, a man who raises three women, properly educate them, take care of them, you know, he'll get Jannah, right? two and so on. So just Alhamdulillah, but deal with them as girls. Let them understand you're the man of their life and your relationship with them will affect the relationship with their future husband. So be careful. It's a huge amana. For mothers, I would say, don't fight with your husband. Don't go against him. Yes, he has mistakes. We all have mistakes. I have the first. I'll be the first one to say. You know, we all do. It's like, what do you think you're gonna get? Like perfection, without a doubt. But you're his sutra. You have to support him. You can't fight with your husband. You guys will have issues. But when you make the children spectate these problems, children are very fast to make a judgment and to start hating the father. And same with the father, like, you know, oppressing the mother or disrespecting her. The boys are just going to learn from that, from the father. So don't let your children spectate. <clears throat> try your best to not argue. <clears throat> Mothers, try your best when the father's away. He's busy. He's doing da'wah. Don't be like, oh, he's at the masjid. He doesn't care about us. Oh, you know, we're crying. No. Tell your kids, he's at the masjid, your father. Look at that. Allahumma barik. Mashallah, when he comes home, boom, be ready, right? Respect him. These days, he's, oh, he's, he gone, he's gone for da'wah. He's this. I feel so sad. He left us, you know. Even though he's breaking his back to provide and take care. But it's like, I'm a victim. Oh, he's he's in the masjid. Like The, the kids are going to know, oh, masjid. 
negative. Father, negative. Islam, negative. Trauma, right? This whole world is used right now. Trauma. Everyone's in trauma these days. The smallest things are trauma. You gotta start hating Islam. You have to protect your husband. You have to let your kids. You know, the Sahaba used to go for months in the path of Allah. Months. But their wives used to tell stories to their kids. Your father's gonna come. He's there. He's just. And the kids were like, wow. Look at, look at um, um, some of the Sahaba. Yani, uh, we look at Zubair and Abdullah ibn Zubair, the relationship. Yes, Abzubair had, you know, there was some issues in his marriage. But he never, yani, was there, you know, as Abdullah, Abdullah ibn Zubair grew up seeing his father like a, a hero. Right? Like a hero. Not some bad guy was a bit harsh or this or that. He was a hero. And that's for, that's why he became Abdullah ibn Zubair, the great warrior. So, we need to, we have to understand we're a team. We need to work, protect each other. Don't work against each other, especially don't let the kids spectate if there is issues. There's going to be issues, 100%. No. Now, Sheikh, uh, traditionally, you know, the family unit is pretty clear for marriage. The path to marriage is pretty clear. Now, it's, you know, the concept of marriage is being challenged. Uh, what advice do you have for married couples and those seeking to get married? Yeah, marriage is definitely being challenged. Um, divorce rates are extremely high. I've heard that in Sydney they're about forty percent divorce rates. That's huge in our community. Um, that's that's big. Not to mention, so that's divorce. Not to mention, the marriage rates are not going higher; they're going lower because people don't want to get married. So, number one, I would say. Be realistic. Don't think that marriage is going to be like, wow, you know, it's Jannah, right? Be realistic. You're marrying for the sake of Allah. Okay? Don't be deluded by the Hollywood version of marriage or Bollywood or something like that. Problem is that our fantasies that have been driven by what we've seen growing up are here and reality is here. Very distant from each other. And in between, this void is depression and sadness, right? The more we can bring our expectations and reality together, that's the best. And we look at, yani, again, going back to the best examples. Yes, okay, yani, the Prophet ﷺ loved Aisha radiallahu anha and loved Khadija. But there was always some struggle in his marriage. And he's the, the Prophet of Allah. Understand that. Don't think that it's going to be like, wow, a lot of people, like brothers, they're so excited to get married. I counsel brothers. Wow, I'm getting married, I'm getting married. Two weeks later after marriage, they call me, Yaqi, Allahu Akbar. And I'm like, Yaqi, what's wrong? Yeah, but this and this and this. I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> what do you what'd you expect? No, but I thought that I'm gonna do this and that and and the sisters. I thought when I'm gonna get married, I'm gonna escape from my father and he'll my my husband will go traveling and do this and that. And I'm like, but he's just like my father. And I'm like, what do you expect? Like what do you think you're gonna do? Be realistic. This marriage is in the end, first and foremost, for the sake of Allah. If you marry for the sake of Allah, with the right intention, right objectives, you will not be so disappointed. If you understand that this is a human being, this you are a human being, we have taqsir, we have a lot of you know flaws, then it'll be easier. But when you expect 
I don't know what, yes, you'll be disappointed. So be realistic. Number two, make sure you do your homework, like vet, right? Help. Uh, our community should be more open to facilitate marriage. Everyone's hands off. I don't want to do it. I, no, I'm not going to help. If you're in this community, fathers have to look for young men who are praying Fajr in the morning and who are attending Duros. They should start looking. They, and it's our responsibility of Wali's to look for our daughters, not for them to go online to some, I don't know what match and this and that, marry somewhere, you know, 10,000 miles away. No one knows Fulan. Here, it's right here. Why are we making it so taboo? We're making it difficult. Look, you're, it's our, our response. Men, we, it's our responsibility first and foremost. We need to look for righteous men. So do your homework. Vet, make sure you take, make sure you try to stick within the pro- proximity so you can check, you can ask the imam of the masjid, does he know the family, this and that, to reduce the possibility of problems. You're not going to eliminate it. You're only going to know this person 100% after you have married them. Right? This is the advice some say of Amr Khattab. You only know a person when you travel with them, when you do business with them, and when you live with them. Right? You only and marriage is all three, right? It is a is a business contract in the aqad nikah is a business. You will travel with your husband, and definitely you're gonna live with them. You're only gonna know them truly, really after that. Uh, so, do, but do your best to reduce the problems, and so on. And uh, if there's problems in the marriage, like don't just throw in the towel. Today it's just like we have a a huge crisis of khula. Right, like back 10, 15 years, guys were rushing into talaq, 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 divorce, right? Now it's like, khula, 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 fasq, khula, fasq, khula, go to the sheikh, devolve the marriage. It's a crisis. Women are just throwing the towel. Sister messages, brother, I've been married for nine years. I have a five-year-old child. I'm not attracted to my husband anymore. Uh, Should I divorce him? What? (laughs) Just so simple. Should I divorce him? Okay, if I tell you yes, you're going to go divorce him now? That's it. He's just waiting for a yes or no you know, answer. Yeah, it's so simple now. Like, why? Why are we just throwing the towel? There's no work. There's no people trying to be realistic. This dunya is a test. You have to help each other. Stop looking at these weird ideas of marriage. It's corrupted our understanding of what a man and a woman is and how they should be together. And... Um, I think we would uh, increase our chances of, of succeeding. Brother Jibri, we have a few quick questions or yeah. quick hits, maybe some short answers and we'll wrap up. We know you're busy and you need to travel later on today. Uh, in the influence of the media is a problem. What is the solution when facing the modern problem of the media, the mass media? It's, it's, a, it's a hard question because... Domin- predominantly the media is not held or driven by the Muslims. We are there, alhamdulillah, and there is benefit. Now you can reach, like for example, this radio session, you're reaching so many people, alhamdulillah. Yeah. But you know, human beings are inclined towards things that are, you know, entertaining and not so nice. Like a person needs to put in the effort to look for the benefit in the media. And honestly, personally looking at different clients and their complaints and looking at the different studies that are out there, the journals, academic studies, and so on. The influence of technology in general, it has benefits, but it has a lot of negatives. 
Like sometimes, honestly, first I feel like I just wish I would have an, I wouldn't have a phone. I just wish you'd go back to the good old days. Yes. Where you just call someone from a pay phone or just that, right? Or you go visit them or you write them a letter. It's just so much nicer. I, I really, really feel like we've lost so much. Yeah, and in certain things we've gained, but what we've lost, we've almost lost ourselves. So, yeah, we can say, hey, let's get on there. Let's have more presence as Muslims and bring more khair. I do agree. I would believe is uh, reducing consuming this content would be probably the best thing. Cut. No, not to add more. Cut. Just leave it. Go back to reading a book. Like flip through the pages. Go back to writing by hand. Um, just, you can. It's possible. Reduce. This is my advice. And also, it's similar to what you just mentioned, uh, combating the TikTok, the TikTok culture. Mm. Any, any advice for that? It's very similar to what you just mentioned. But just the TikTok culture is, you know, our cognitive processes have been affected so much by the shorts. And there's media-induced adult ADHD. Like right now, we're discovering that adults are suffering from ADHD and it was not usually onset of ADHD is in childhood we noticed it then people were okay in childhood now in adulthood they're starting to develop ADHD lack of focus and a lot of it's linked to these quick things quick fixes quick shorts a quick spike in dopamine levels and then you know, settling and again quick and this is causing us to uh, a lot of problems so we Personally, I, I think it's it's very detrimental. And again, people need to really, really self-monitor and just kind of cut. Not everything that's out there in technology is good for us. Like, yeah. Medical ethic. And finally, I know this one may need a bit more uh, time. You mentioned before about mental health, uh, combating this uh, mental health epidemic or, or as they are calling it. What's some advice? Right. So, so my background is psychology and I'm doing counseling now. I work as a, I've adopted like a positive Islamic psychology model. And it's a Islam-centric approach. Like Islam will solve your your mental health issue as opposed to medicine or other things. We are surrounded by a school of thought, uh, a secular a materialistic school of thought when it comes to mental health that's dominant. It does not address the soul, does not address, uh, it usually address the material aspect of your, of your mental health, chemical balances, imbalances, and so on. And uh, because Islam targets, uh, has a holistic approach to the human being, I believe that um, Islam offers a solution for a person who has mental health issues. So number one, I would say this is a test first and foremost if someone has a mental health issues has their mind is not in the right place they're feeling depressed and so on there's nothing new okay even the prophet also tell them you should seek refuge from sadness and, and sorrow okay we see Sayyidina Yaqub being extremely sad when he loses Yusuf and Benjamin so these, this is nothing uh, new it doesn't necessarily mean that you are a bad Muslim it could be just an ibtila or a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa min al-khawfi wa al-ayah. 
So it could be that Allah will test you, right? The solution is to get closer to Allah, not move away. We find that most people have suffered from mental health issues, they move away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They'll start saying, why did Allah do this to me? Or why is it this? Why did that? So number one is like, the solution is with getting closer to Allah. Adding, pushing. I always recommend to people, if you want something, wake up for tahajjud. Pray before Fajr. Wake up 45 minutes, half an hour before Fajr. And ask Allah to relieve you. If you're not having at least that desire and that effort, don't expect to be to change. Like, come on, like try to put in that because Allah says that He will answer you. Okay? He descends to the lowest heaven in the third part of the night and He asks and He will give it to you. So I, I call it therapy through tahajjud, TTT. Oh right? Just do that, right? Do it. Don't just don't complain only. You have to do something. It will get you closer to Allah, right? Number two, understand qadr. Like your aqidah is very important. Understand that no matter what happens in this world, Allah is the one who, خيره وشره من Allah. You have to accept that. There's a reason for why this is happening to you. You just need to find a reason, right? When you understand that some things you just don't have control over, it, it it can relax you. You're like, okay, I, I accept that this is the Mashiach of Allah. This is Allah's will within the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I need to navigate it and, and move on to the solution. Right? Qadr is, is like we study Qadr, but we don't really internalize it to really be like, you know, really Qadr Allah Mashafal. Yeah, I know I don't. Allah doesn't, yani we know that a lot of the things that happen with the Mashiach of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not that Allah is just, yeah, okay, this is good. Allah allows it to happen and there's a reason for it, right? So you just need to work towards fixing those things, right? And then um, I, when you look at the life of the Prophet we have uh, a lot of mental health issues, I believe personally, based on some of the hadith of the Prophet like uh, Imam Muslim uh, collects one of the hadith about the shaitan flowing in the in the blood of the son of Adam, like the flow of blood, you know. Shaitan will influence you. He will attack you. He's always on top of things. He knows systems. Definitely Shaitan's working on TikTok and Instagram. Don't think he's not. Don't think he's just using sticks and stones. Shaitan's up to date. He took a vow, a promise that he will misguide people. So when you look, for example, at OCD, it's very, very similar to Waswasa. Very, very similar to Waswasa. The, the symptoms are identical almost. So, and other issues, right? And you go back to Quran, go back to Ruqya. You know, why are we not doing Ruqya? Like, we're not using the Quran, which uh, Allah says, The dua of, 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 of Shifa, like, we need to take that healing. Because the spirit is, is hurt. Your soul might be hurt and he needs cure. And that only the Quran is, is you know, is uh, the shifa. Yeah. So, but no, we're jumping to medicine right away. Oh, I have a little headache. Medicine, medicine, medicine. Me- Everything is just medicine, medicine, medicine. Yeah, he. Allah is the one who's going to, yeah, even the medicine, who invented it. Allah gave the people the brain to invent these things. I know. Yes, Allah revealed the medicine, the cure, uh, the disease and the cure. No doubt. 
we're not saying that there's no position for medicine ever, but we're just in a culture just jumps the horse right away straight to medicine. Smallest thing, medicine, medicine, medicine. We're not relying upon Allah. We're not understanding. It's something you have to go through a little bit of pain in life to, re, to understand what, what your purpose is. You need to re-examine. It's a perfect time to re-examine your position in this dunya, your mission, your relationship with Allah, your sins, your and so on and so forth. But we're just complaining, sad, let me go to this doctor. Just quick fixes. Straight to the doctor. The doctor looks at you, okay, here you go, go. Prozac, this, diazepam. Ten years, people are, are addicted to these things. Right, so take care of your your body, your amana. It's amana from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. It's an amana. Allah has given us all the. So, I, I do believe that when it comes to mental health, we need to look at Islam for solution. Even the mashaykh, even the imams, don't just send people. Yeah, we look, brother. I think you have mental health. You should go to the psychiatrist. Like work with people. Let's train people who have knowledge of Islam to deal with these issues. Right. Um, we find people who are doctors no clue about Islam whatsoever and sometimes people who have knowledge of Islam don't know how to deal with that part right like Islam is, is life we need to put things together not separate them that will inshallah and also the awareness like raising awareness that we have solutions hey we're here especially for men men we don't like to look for help Women, they have their sisters, their mothers, they complain, they cry. After some time, a couple of days, they're okay. Even though at onset, it looks like they're panicking and they're having a really hard time, but they have more support. For men, we have very little support. That's why suicide in men is really high. Very, very high. Men are suffering and we don't even know it. There's help, there's support. And if you don't, guess what? You can do self-help. Get closer to Allah. Wake up for tajud. Do ruqya on yourself. Uh, you know, go outside, you know, uh, work out, uh, get out with the brothers, have a community, know that the, the brothers are with you. Allah is with the jama'ah. Be with the jama'ah, be with the people. Don't separate yourself. This is very important. Yeah. Uh, for the brothers and sisters who would like to view your content and reach out, but how do they do that? They can Google uh, Gabriel Al Romani. R O M double A. We'll put the links, inshallah. inshallah. And you ha- you're on Facebook and Instagram. On Instagram, YouTube. Facebook, YouTube. Yeah, Excellent. We'll, we'll post the details there, inshallah. And uh, we could speak all day, uh, but we've run out of time. We've gone over time. Uh, any final advice before we conclude to the brothers and sisters in Sydney, Australia, and the Muslims uh, generally? All the solutions are in front of us. We don't need to look too far to find that. This deen has given us everything. Everything we need. Nothing was unaddressed. We just look to, need to open your eyes. Just look. It's right there. We're complaining about so many problems. The solution in front of us. Bismillah. Take it. Zakallah khairan, brother Jabir. It's been an honor to have you. And inshallah, we can do it again in the future. Barakallah feek. Inshallah, you have safe travels going to Malaysia, inshallah. And then back home, is it? Uh, to England after. Inshallah. England, excellent. May Allah bless your travels and your path in, in spreading Islamic knowledge. Barakalafiq. Uh, we'd like to thank our brothers and sisters who tuned in Ameen. and all those uh, uh, who will listen later on. Barakalafiq. And until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah.